this is the art of discussing where everyone is committed to having discussions with people sharing different points of view while respecting the person expressing them. We're your hosts. I'm Ben. And I'm Kate. And we're excited that you've joined us. Let's get to this week's episode. Welcome back to Art of Discussing. As promised, when listening to the immigration episode, we're talking about Title 42 in this episode. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Kate. And I'm Ben. And I think we're just going to jump in. So if you haven't listened to the immigration episode that we released in January, we recommend you guys listen to that one. It'll kind of give you an idea of where, where, where we were at in in are dis i think i could say are differing opinions on some things within immigration um and an overall history of it and now we're going into title 42 which is the hot button issue and what we're talking about everyone's talking about in the news um that the supreme court is now they have now decided to take that case and hear arguments in february and kind of move the docket around to be able to hear it so, uh, Ben, do you, how do you want to, you want to talk a little bit about Title 42 and what it is? Yeah, uh, so uh, we, like, like Kate said, we've already had a, an episode where we kind of paint the picture about the conversation of immigration as a topic, you know, kind of a hot button uh, debate topic in America and its history. Um, right now, we're just going to cover Title 42 in its, spe- you know, specific. And so for our listeners, some of you out there are probably going Title 42. I don't you know. OK, so that's the new immigration battlefront, uh, if you will. Um, maybe you don't know too much about it. So we'll just let you know what it is. Uh, Title 42 refers to. Title 42 of the United States Code. Uh, We'll be more specific about that in a a moment. Um, And it was invoked at the beginning of the pandemic uh, as a public safety measure. So um, it it affects immigration and we'll cover that more specifically. And now that the, we're out coming out of the pandemic, you know, uh, we're kind of turning off the things that we had turned on for the pandemic, so to speak. Um, this is one of those things where um, the current administration, uh, Biden administration, would like to um, not, you know, turn it off, right? Cut yeah, off, the, you know, it. Title 42-ness. And, and there are certain states um, that are pushing back against that. And so... There's an there's an argument, right? There's a disagreement about that, and that's where we find this our discussion centering around today, and that's where the Supreme Court is hearing arguments around specifically. So, um, well, and that court case uh, as well. Yeah, I just want to throw out where we are recording this a few days after President Biden and his administration has said they are going to end the pandemic um mandates or re- you know uh regulations the the um and they're doing that on May 11th and so 
that has impact in uh, in topics that we're going to be talking about and releasing coming up, which is like the student loan forgiveness that Supreme Court's going to be listening. It also has this impact, Title 42. So there are other things that it is impacting besides Title 42. Um, And this Title 42 should technically was going to be lifted or expire in May of 2022, I believe. Um, and so, or 2021, I might have that date wrong. Um, and I think it was 2022. And I think it's been now last lingering because of the court case with the Supreme Court, probably for another year, let's say, by the time they actually hear it and make a decision. So uh, it it is something that you might have heard in the news and you i know i've heard like title 42 oh yeah it's because of you know health related stuff public health but getting into it it kind of brings up a little bit more i think inside of what we talked about in the administration of is it that the the supreme court is going to make a so with like Roe v. Wade, and this is something we're going to talk a little about, about it more, but this is something that I got hit with a little bit in my brain, not hit with, but um, that kind of popped up. Roe v. Wade, Roe v. Wade, after listening and hearing the decision, they reversed it because they said that the court back 50 years ago made policy decision versus interpretation, right? And so they said that's not the role of the court. They overstepped. So there's an argument out there around Title 42 and taking up this case that it's more of an overstep again in this arena. So that's where I I think that there are some correlations inside of past conversations we've had that you may see or make may see us reference or me reference inside of this conversation. And I think it's interesting to see some some similarities or crossover with two completely different cases and in different ways, if that makes sense. I, I guess I could see what you're, what you mean by that, right? Like uh, it's probably something that the high court in the land is very careful about, right? The balance of power and the checks and balances, um, they're very, the Supreme Court of the United States is very wary of making policy versus interpreting the law, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they, and however that looks and, and cases that as they set precedent, right? Their, their decisions set legal precedent, which really kind of feeds into um, the, how the trends start to strongly play out which are supposed, you know, supposed to be based on what the law says. It's just an interpretation. So let's talk about Title 42 a little bit and what it actually is, why it got implemented, et cetera. And then we can talk about the court case, because what I kind of what I kind of just mentioned and what we were just talking about is a little bit of a foreshadow of what the dissent is from the justices, one of the justices that dissented from taking the case and staying. So okay. um, let's talk a little bit about Title 42. We mentioned it in immigration and 
uh, episode that it's a public health order from the 1940s. It's rarely been revoked, uh, sorry, rarely been evoked or used. Um, but with the p- pandemic, there was, I guess, concern because this was the first pandemic since the 20s. We didn't know what to expect. And if we didn't have control of the borders, the idea was since everything was up in the air and we were so unknown inside of all of this, this, this got enacted. Uh, and I think it was March of 2020. Um, and so, and it supposedly it has impacts on the border and how many people are coming in and the ability to just, you know, not process anybody and just like put them back to their original country that they came from. So there are other implications from it. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Title 42 and who has the power and authority to invoke it or to recommend it um, and what the actual uh, act or law is. Okay. Uh, well, Title 42 um, of the U.S. Code is uh, it has a few sections. Section 264 refers to regulations to control communicable diseases. And Section 265 uh, deals with the suspension of entries and imports from designated places to prevent spread of communicable diseases. Um, and so in, in this section of Title 42 of the U.S. Code, uh, it and this was again enacted in um, 1944. It briefly says, whenever the Surgeon General determines that by reason of the existence of any communicable disease in a foreign country, there is serious danger of the introduction of such disease into the United States, and that this danger is so increased by the introduction of persons or property from such country, that is a suspension of the right to introduce such persons and property is required in the interest of the public health. The Surgeon General, in accordance with regulations approved by the President, shall have the power to prohibit in whole or in part the introduction of persons and property from such countries or places as he shall designate in order to avert such danger and for such period of time as he may deem necessary for such purpose. Um, so that's really how it, how it's written there. Um, it's a lot of words is a lot of words and it's, it's relatively vague. It does, it does speak about the surgeon general, uh, that has been updated to really speak of the sec gives that power to the secretary of the department of health and human services. Uh, in today's world, which the CDC currently falls under. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so my understanding is President Trump evoked, invoked it, or is that the right word? Um, to, um, based on the recommendation of the CDC and the Secretary of Health and Human Services, is that accurate based on your research? Yes, I mean different things I've seen. It more or less the CDC, how, through however channels recommended that that happen, um, and then the president ex- exercised that right under uh, this law uh, code, Title Thirty, Title Forty Two, U.S. Code. Okay. Um, 
So yes, that was enacted during the beginning of the pandemic. Which, I mean, would make sense, right? It's a public health code. It allows for the ability to ensure the safety, which is the role of government we talked about in the immigration episode a little bit, um, what the constitutional role of government is, and that's to protect the safety and defend, you know, defense of its citizens. So that would make sense. And I think the question now is, has it gone too far, right? Are we using it too much? And now with President Biden, like I think it was eight months ago, said the pandemic is over and now is actually in May stopping the pandemic. I don't know what the word I'm thinking of, like regulations or mandates. So programs, so designation, one of those. So I guess on paper, it seems like it should go away because if there's not a pandemic, then Title 42 wouldn't be necessary anymore inside of the public health side for it to exist and to be enforced or invoked at this point continue to be invoked if public health isn't is no longer a concern great we just solved the problem i would say that's probably (laughs) accurate yeah right yes Uh, done (laughs) like (laughs) public health good yeah we're good um right and it is when you can foresee a time for that to happen right like they sure you arbitrarily pick um, the administration it seems has chosen May to stop that um then that's that's really likely things that go uh, factors that go into choosing that is the situation on the ground right like do we have the whatever the pandemic whatever the public health concern was is that more or less under control or more controlled than it was? Uh, And are we giving a certain amount of time for us to spin down those wheels of, you know, industry that we've spun up um, in order to address it, right? Like, um, can we, instead of cutting it off at the knees, the thought is maybe let's wind it down, right? Like, so people can make plans, you know, so that we don't, um, for, for terrible example, but you know, if, if you're, if you're not able to pay your rent and you're, instead of saying, yeah, well, tomorrow, since the pandemic is over, you're going to have to start paying your rent, you know, saying, Hey, you have till May, and then this is going to start up again, right? Like, the things that we said, those those dates are in the future so that you can make plans. Um, some of those, just some of those is like Medicare uh, or Medicaid. Um, right. There was a lot of enhancements and coverage for people who didn't have coverage, you know, insurance. Right. Um, all of the tests we got for free per household, that's going to go away. Uh, from my understanding, Pfizer and some of the other uh, insurance, or not insurance, uh, health what is it? Pharmacy, pharma, pharmaceutical companies that have the vaccines were only charging $10 an hour 
or an hour, $10 a vaccine, that's probably going to go up to a hundred and whatever, right? Per vaccine and probably may or may not be covered if you don't have insurance. So there, these are some of the things I think that you're pointing to inside of, it's not just title 42. It's not just, you know, the rent or the student loans, but it's also some of those things that got beefed up in order to support us citizens during a pandemic. Right. Um, give them, uh, allow enough time to dismantle that apparatus, however, however that happens. Um, and so with immigration, so uh, also, if, you, if you'll notice, it's, it's written a bit vague. It's also um, written, it's written a bit vague, likely on purpose, um, so that there's room. Yeah. Yet and still, it does say from such countries or places as he shall designate in order to uh, avert such a danger and for such period of time as he may deem necessary for such purpose. Um, so it's not a blank check. There should be some sort of parameter. It does indicate uh, the presence of two parameters uh, that I can see. One is a period of time, right? period of time necessary for such purpose i i wonder although it doesn't say that it needs to be articulated it, if you're asking me it seems like logic would be would dictate okay such period of time as deemed necessary and you need to deem necessary right if you have to redeem like to deem again, then sure, but you need to deem something. You can't just say, and and now this is forever, right? Like this is, I deem that uh, 2015, this pandemic will be, will get it under control, right? Or 2050, sorry, five zero. Not I was like, five. we're going backwards. Yeah, yeah, back in time. <laughs> it's not exactly how numbers work. Time travel. Right? Um, but, you know, five zero, you can't, you, you know, you have to deem yeah. something and then get to that point and maybe, you know, say something else. Also, the countries and places as shall be designated, right? So whilst we could shut the borders entirely and say all countries, all foreign, you know, foreign nationals are no longer allowed inside the United States. I'm not certain that that has happened, right? So to me, the question reading this becomes what countries or places were designated? Um, I have a sneaking suspicion that they might form a pattern, but regardless of whatever that pattern is, there should be something somewhere, a list of designated countries that are on this list that are designated to be affected by article by Title 42 for the designated, the deemed amount of time necessary um, for such purpose, which ostensibly is right, like public health for COVID-19. Yeah, I was looking it up as you were talking to see 
Um, if there was, like, did he did he do it originally for like a year, or was it, or what that parameter was? And it looks like I can't find anything in my quick search that there was a, an expiration or date is what I was looking for, but that only that uh, President Biden, when he came in in 2021, he re-upped it with, I think, the expiration date of September of 22. And then that's where we got into people were suing other people, et cetera. Now it's a year later almost. I mean, we're in end of January, February technically now, so um, almost a year later. So I think you're right. I think that there wasn't, it, it was a little more convoluted like the, it wasn't quite as I've never heard that he said these countries, except for maybe China, right? In the beginning, I never heard from these countries, you know, and for this amount of time with when it came to Title 42. I don't remember exactly hearing that again, except for like China when when um, they stopped all flights, for example. But like actual border, you know, uh, across the border, U.S. Mexico or U.S. Canada, I don't remember hearing like specific countries. Yeah, and I could see. So again, and I, I know during during the discussion, and and I don't think it's pointed to enough in this discussion of Title Forty Two, the actual U.S. Code, which is written quite vague, right? Like, so even given pointing toward the code, it's written vague. Mm -hmm. And there's something to be discussed. I, I, I still say, right? Like, cause it does say in whole or in part. Now, when we are discussing, generally speaking, um, like the history of immigration and and how it affects you know a lot of these a lot of these states the border states we are generally referring to are along the southern border and uh it's actually 19 states that are opposing that have requested that the supreme court intervene um to keep title 42 um in effect right and I, I'm not sure, you know, who's listening and what level of geographic knowledge they have, but there are far fewer than 19 states along the southern border of the United States, right? Um, so there are more states that are advocating keeping that in place. Um, and there are, I, I think a lot of the concerns are monetary right money um if we're if if we let if we lift title 42 and the people that we're turning away for these these bans first of all i think it's important to say the U.S. has a, a wide range of reasons why people aren't allowed entry into the U.S. Public health concerns is not always necessary to that. There's, um, for those of who may not know, there's Title VIII, which deals um, also with uh, immigration. 
uh, and, and it's more it's it's more broad and more far reaching than just public health concerns and co- covers far more about, you know, what's allowed, what's not allowed, that sort of thing. It's not I say that to say it's not you don't need the reasons of public health mm-hmm. to say, sorry, not today. Mm-hmm. Right. You can't come into the country. Um, having said that. I think that there is a perception that the lifting of Title 42 will enable a flood of either immigrants that are allowed into the country or it will increase somehow the rate of undocumented immigrants that find their way into the US. And I'm not sure I understand that argument. Um, well, I think that the, the federal government, like Mayorkas and his his department has said, and I think it's also, I'm looking in the, in the Supreme Court document um, that we'll have in the show notes, about, you know, number one, saying we're taking this case on, but then the dissenting as well. It's a three-page document. And I'm pretty sure in it, it also states that the federal government, um, basically, I think it says, I don't remember if it was this one or a different Supreme Court document that I read, but it's basically arguing that the federal government itself has said, yes, there's going to be an increase in people coming across the border once it's lifted. And so they actually are admitting that there will be an impact to immigration after uh, Title 42 is up, which is part of the reason why the dissent from Justice Gorsh, am I saying it right? Gorsh. Um, is one of his reasons is that, yeah, the federal government basically is saying that it's going to, uh, it's going to increase. However, it, they're basically, it, he actually says uh, here, even the federal government, I'm quoting, even the federal government acknowledges, quote, that the end of Title 42 orders will likely have disruptive consequences, end quote. Um, but then he says right after that, but the current border crisis is not a COVID crisis and courts should not be in the business of perpetuating, uh, perpetuating, pardon me, uh, ad- administrative edicts designed for one emergency only because elected officials have failed to address a different emergency. We are a court of law, not policymakers of a last resort. And that's the, how he ends his dissent. So they acknowledge that it's going to have a disruptive consequence. Like there's going to be an increase to your, to what you were saying earlier, but it may not be the, the role of title 42 to curb that increase, that, that disruptive consequence, right? Like it's may not be appropriate now. It's not a COVID issue anymore. I think so. 
first of all, I, I just am absolute enamored with your reading of uh, Justice's, Justice Gorsh's um, quote there, right? That dissenting quote. I just, I, I couldn't agree more. And on this podcast, I think I say, ah, at least in several episodes now, right? Like that's, that's where we find ourselves is our elected, whoever you're for, our elected policymakers aren't making policy. Um, and that, that's, that's the deficiency. Well, and that is exactly why I pointed to Roe v. Wade in the beginning, because his right. argument right there is pretty much what we determined based the the decision for Roe v. Wade's overturning was based on the fact that there was an overreach. His last line, we are a court of law, not policymakers of last resort. Very similar to Roe v. Wade. Title 42 is a Band-Aid. And I mentioned that at the, in the immigration episode that I, from what I can gather, listening to the news and everything else, people are so overwhelmed. Title 42 is all they have to try and curb some of that overwhelm inside of the numbers coming across and the money coming across the border, which is not a COVID issue anymore. It is an immigration policy issue. But they're using Title 42 because that's all they have left. And that's kind of what he's talking about. It's the border crisis is not a COVID issue. It is basically, he doesn't say it this way, but he basically is saying they're not doing their job to make the policies and enforce them. Right. Right. And I guess what, what I'm saying is I, I fail to see how then that makes it okay to utilize title like this, this other law, this obscure periodic conditional law to band-aid something that like, as you point out as a deficiency, like that's a that deficiency that we're pointing out that we keep touching is 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 itself does it's not just an immigration right deficiency it's a tax deficiency it's a voting law deficiency it's a deficiency of government at whatever level we're talking about state yeah. I'm agreeing with you. We, well, right. And, and, and I get that. I just, um, and, and I'm not, I'm not asserting that like for Kate, right. I am asserting that for our elected officials. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm asserting that for 19 states that have requested the Supreme court intervene, great 19 states. What about the state's, you know, first of all, some of that can be uh, state laws can apply, right, in some form. Um, and we haven't done that, right? It's not just a federal law issue. Although federal law comes with federal dollars. And that's different, right? But saying, okay, so COVID, right? That that was federal. That was federally declared Title 42. That's a federal law. 
right? And that doesn't that doesn't preclude a Texas, a California, an Arizona, a New Mexico from making their own laws about how to address this, right? Or sending their their governors, their policymakers to Washington to get that done, right? We are the ones on the on the border. We want this done. Like everybody, let's let's get our carts in the right order. Now I understand that politics is what politics is and it makes things it makes challenges to work together where perhaps you know there there would be less challenges to work together but that's where the failure is okay i don't disagree that that's not where the failure is here's what i'm thinking I actually disagree that it's that it should be at all on the states. And the reason for that is if the Constitution states that it is for the safety and defense of our nation and its people, right, as we talked about in the immigration episode, it is the federal government's role. Those states, yeah, they're on the border, but it's Border Patrol and it's the federal agencies that are responsible for it. It is not the state agencies that have always been responsible for it. And so the federal government is responsible for the border and the money that goes with it. If there is a border crisis and the states and their citizens are the ones who's footing the bills and who are having to put National Guard on the border because the Border Patrol is so overrun and the federal government's not listening to them, that's a huge issue. And I disagree with you in that sense because you can have as many state laws as you want, you can have as much enforcement on the state, but it's still coming from the state money. They, I will say that maybe the governors and the senators and the congressmen haven't been doing their job or haven't been you know, waving the flag loud enough and haven't, you know, demanded as much as they could and they should. I'm not arguing that part. I can see that. However, it's still not their responsibility, except for the fact that they are literally on the border. It is their responsibility to, to as much as they can protect, but it should not financially be the responsibility of the state. It should be the responsibility of the federal government. And if like California, where they want to give health insurance, statewide health insurance to anybody and everybody, okay, that's fine. That's, that is, a, that is an example, let's say, of the state having laws and having programs for, you know, illegal or undocumented immigrants. However, when it comes to the security of the state, whether you're in Arizona, California, Texas, Florida, et cetera, that should be the federal government, according to my understanding of the Constitution. And I, I get that the Constitution, to some extent, is as vague as Title 42 and how it's interpreted, which is why we have so many constitutional lawyers and we have a Supreme Court. But that is the responsibility for safety and defense is the federal government. We don't know who's coming across the border. Right. So if we have people who are coming across that they don't catch because they're overwhelmed, that's a security issue, a national security issue. And that's where it comes under the federal government's role. And it should not be the state's budget that's getting burdened by medical facilities being overrun, by, you know, housing and, and trying to uh, feed everybody, you know, all these different things that are 
social issues should not be coming from the state when it, it, you know, it it should not only be the state, it should already have been the federal government. It would have helped the burden of the state if they had to been doing their job inside of the policies and enforcing the law. Okay. And I get that, right? Like the state, it's the federal government's mandate to secure the border. Um, And listen to the elected officials of the states. Like if they're ignoring them. What do you mean? And listen to the elected officials of the states. Well, when you say the state governments or the senators, congressmen, et cetera, are not doing enough to bring it to the federal government's attention or not uh, uh, forcing the issue right to make sure that the federal government listens that's also partly the federal government's job is to listen just like it's the job to listen to the lay person regular citizen who's elected these people now if they're not doing their job on the state level fine but if they're actually getting ignored that's an issue Um, i'm not saying that's happening i'm just saying that's another portion of it but the the congressmen senators they are the federal government. I'm talking about the governors. And that's okay. Sense. Okay. But understand that the congressmen and senators yeah. from those states yeah. are the federal government. Yeah. But even if, but it, it can also be not just the states to the federal, but like individual federal representation, state representation on a federal level, not being heard by other, like the president, right? Certain branches of the federal government are not listening to other branches. If that's the case, that's also an issue. Okay. But I was talking about more of the governors in that sense. I looped them in, but I meant the government governors. That was my bad. All right. Okay. Um, I want to ask you what your face is saying, but so, so like we're, we're talking, let's, let's start with the state level and move up to, to, right. You have, you have the state level, you have 19 states and maybe we've missed it. Right. I, I find that it would be a massive media event if 19 governors of 19 states were like, to travel up to Congress to be heard on the floor of the Senate or the House or a joint session of Congress, or if if nineteen those nineteen states went directly to go see the president, right? If such right like that's, I feel like that's that's more, and, and perhaps this has already occurred. Perhaps these 19 governors of these states have already banded together, gotten into a room, gotten into a room with the federal legislature to be heard, right? And that didn't go well. I just hadn't heard anything about that. Perhaps these 19 governors have gotten in the same room with the president of the United States to be heard, and that didn't go well. I just haven't heard anything about that. It just doesn't make sense to me, right? Like, why these, or or maybe they've held court with their own representatives, right? Like if I'm the governor of, let's call it Arizona, 
and I I I call or I, I go to Washington D.C. and I look at or uh, I meet with all the, the House representatives from Arizona and all and the Arizona senators, right? And I say, hey, Arizona needs you. You need to go up there and shake some hands and pat some backs and high five some people because this is you guys, man. You guys, you guys make these laws like this, this money that we want for the Arizona. This is this is you. This isn't me. I got Arizona money. You have United States money. You guys are from Arizona. You guys, you guys, everybody in this room that's not me can do this, right? Like I'll go get Montana and I'm making up states now, Idaho. And I mean, they're actual states. I'm not actually making them up. They exist, but you know, they're governors, right? Like I'll go get them and we'll all stand here and I'll ask you, they'll ask you the same thing, right? Like this is you guys, we need this money for this border. You guys need to figure something out. And more than figuring something out, like I need you to not talk about it. I need you to overwork some of your staffers and make them write something down so that we can at least push it to someone to say yes or no to, right? Like this is you guys. To be clear, are you, is this a separate conversation from the federal government's responsibility? Or are you saying the federal government is is equally responsible to the states forcing the issue and going and talking to the federal government? Like, are you saying that they're connected or are you saying this is a separate issue? In that scenario that I just proposed, it was the head of a state government talking to the representatives of his state at the federal government. So he's talking to the federal government, right? Which is just made up of all the states. Yeah. Right? I know, I know we have the cabinet and the president, but the laws that govern the purse strings and all the money and the stuff, that's all states. The reason why I'm asking for clarification is it kind of makes me think of the end of immigration conversation. We've had this conversation even outside of that, inside of governors busing migrants to other states and how across state lines that's illegal for Joe Blow off the street like you and me, but no one is being held responsible legally for doing that potentially at the governor level. And to me, the way that you're presenting this conversation about the states going to the federal, I'm asking for a clarification because I don't think it matters to some degree inside of responsibility. Like one doesn't negate the other. Yes, states should go up and like talk to their federal representatives, talk to the federal government as a whole and different cabinet members, et cetera. I'm not arguing that point, but I think that's a separate situation or separate thing to the role of the federal. It doesn't negate that the federal government should be proactive inside of this and have policies and has responsibility. Like we were talking about nuances inside of the conversation about busing migrants, right? And you were very, very firm inside of your understanding on consistency between the two 
and how it's still the same thing, right? No matter what they cared about, no matter the reasons why they did it on either side, whether it was Joe Blow or the governor, right? And I just want to make sure I'm understanding correctly because to me, similarly, it doesn't really matter if the states like the states should should it should be a last resort that the states are going up there in mass droves because the federal government is not doing their responsibility inside of this issue that shouldn't negate or um it shouldn't mean that they're equally or partially responsible for something that is the federal role i'm not sure i'm understanding your comparison between the two well i was giving you nuances right like we we were talking about this how i'm a little bit more nuanced you're a little more black and white in certain things and i look at what's the reason behind things like what was the intention and you were saying if it's not legally it's it legally if it's not legal it's not legal right no matter what the nuance is so for me my I, it may not translate, I guess, but in my head it did. But so let's set that aside and just say, for me, having to have a bunch of people go to the state from the state, go to the federal representation or cabinet president, etc, right, whether it's Senate, government, you know, congressman, whatever it is, but having them go and say, look, you need to address this issue should be a less last resort in some cases, if it's happening, if it's nothing's being done inside of what they're asking. To me, what I'm trying to say, I guess, is that does not negate the responsibility of the federal government to do their job and secure the border. Because it is the federal government's responsibility. The state going to the federal government saying, we're having issues, you're not doing your job, that doesn't like that that doesn't mean that to me the way i was hearing it the the states aren't responsible necessarily for the federal government they're asking and holding the federal government to account by your scenario of going to the representatives and saying hey do your job and i'm asking for clarification on is your perspective that the states have a responsibility to that the Fed, you know, the states have a responsibility to secure their borders and by going to the federal government. The states have a responsibility to go to the federal government if they feel like the federal government is not doing its job. Okay. The people have a the people have a responsibility to their state and their federal government to go to both if they feel like neither is doing their job. And by people, you mean average citizen? The people of the United States, yes. But that so so just this is why I was asking the clarification the question. So that doesn't you're saying that doesn't negate the federal government's responsibility. It's still their responsibility yes it is okay i just wanted that was the reason for my clarification question it it, it never the way, that, the way that you said it i i wanted to make sure i was understanding where you were indicating the responsibility lied 
inside of that scenario of states going to their government, the federal government. Right. So in in what I'm saying, right, it's it, none of this has to do with states do something. It's your job. It's not the federal government's job. That's not that. Right. That's what I am saying is you don't states. You don't get to just be like they're doing nothing. So we're doing nothing. That's not a thing. Right. They're not doing what they're supposed to. Got it. Either A, you go over there and make them do what they are supposed to, or B, you enact the laws that you can enact to do something, right? Neither of those things absolves the federal government from what they're supposed to do, but you don't also get to say, what can we do? Yeah, so I think- You have a responsibility to do something. So I think inside of that argument, they are doing, you said, and two uh, or B, to do anything legally they can, you know, to handle or take care of their, their problem inside of what they can do, right? Okay. Is that what I heard? Okay. Like, do, like go to the federal government and use the laws that you can to have that, to like make, make something happen or, you know, go to the federal government. And I'm thinking that what they are arguing is this is what we've got is titled 42. I'm already saying it shouldn't, it's a COVID thing. It's not an immigration thing. So I don't necessarily agree, but they are doing something based on what they have access to inside of the laws and legality side. At least the states are forcing the issue, whether or not this issue should be forced. Okay, so I would have to disagree with you, but on that, right? They're not, they are lamenting something being taken away from them instead of something being done, right? Like, sure, they don't want it to go, and that's that's fine. You can say, I don't want it to go and do, right? But that's that being your only action. Right. Like, don't take it. Well, three years ago, you didn't have this. What were you doing before then? Well, you you still weren't doing what you needed to do. OK, well, my question, my question to the state looking up at the state, looking up at the federal government is what are you state doing to them to make them do what they're supposed to do if they're not doing what they're supposed to do? Your answer to me is that but they're not supposed to, they're not doing anything. That that's not an answer to me, the citizen. That's not an answer to me. But that's also you do something. You do something, and you saying, "Oh, okay, so we'll stop them from taking that one law that three months ago or three years ago we didn't have, and now they're taking it. We'll we'll stop them from doing that. Why don't you put that energy into having them make something more permanent that works?" Why are you using that energy to be like, don't rip off my Band-Aid, like screaming about don't rip it off? Why don't you just say, treat my wound with something more permanent, right? Like that should be your cry, not don't rip off my Band-Aid. Okay. I would would put out there that three years ago, there was a different president. I'm not saying that he was, he did more or less, I couldn't speak to that, but I'm saying 
pointing to three years ago under a different president, each president's different inside of their policy and what they're enforcing and what they're doing. Sure. So it could be that in the last three years that this law was enacted, the policy has changed or the enforcement level has changed and they don't have, they haven't seen another recourse. The second part of that is states only constitutionally have a certain amount of power, right? So when it comes to just like the federal government only has a certain amount of power, like states are empowered to do certain things, but the federal government, because this is a state by state thing, California can't affect Arizona in the sense that they can't make a law and have it apply in Arizona. That's where the federal government comes into play. So what I, what the point being to this is I hear you saying that they are complaining inside of this this lawsuit. Basically, it's a don't take this away from us situation instead of it acting something. But as a state, legally, they can only enact something for their state. And I understand that that is important, but at the same time, how do you how like how do that there is a consistency issue inside of if texas is doing one thing but arizona is doing another and new mexico is doing something else florida is out on its own doing something else there's there's like they can only do certain certain things within their own state texas and at he put national guard on the border he just put in a czar for something with relation to this as well so like yeah he's doing certain things in his state you may or may not like it but that doesn't apply to other states that's where the federal government's supposed to come in so by forcing the title 42 issue even if it's not the right issue to to force maybe that is their way of enacting or forcing the issue to some degree. I'm not saying that it should have gone to the Supreme Court, but at least that's their, like, hey, like, you're not listening to us. What are we going to do when this is over? Okay. You had a lot of faces. Like, they couldn't see that, but you had a lot of faces inside of what I just shared, so. I had a lot. I had a lot of faces, for sure. Um, Face one referred to uh, states and their powers. The federal government of the United States is explicitly enumerated certain powers. In the Constitution, if it is not explicitly given a federal power to the federal government, everything else is a power to the state. And if it's not explicitly said to the state, then it's a power the people have. If, so like, sure, California can't make an Arizona law. That's true. But there's nothing to say that California can't, California's governor can't talk to Arizona's governor. I, I get that the chances of that happening because of the people they are, are low, but they can go, hey, California, I'm California. Or, I, I, hey, Arizona, I'm California. 
I, th this is mine and this is yours. And this is a problem for you, this Southern border of yours. And this is a problem of me, the Southern border that's right next to your Southern border. Can we come up with something that you and I can both agree on that we can kind of sh maybe share resources to come up with something so that we can have a joint California, Arizona statute, right? Like, so from here to here, right? We can come up with something that we are doing that works for us. And if we can secure the California to Arizona Southern U.S. border well and nobody, we lock it down and everybody else is forced to go around through Texas and New Mexico, right? That's not our problem. We fix this. And it never stopped being a federal problem. It's always a federal responsibility. But for us to just go, right, like I can work with you. I don't work with you, but I can work with you. But I don't work with you. And you're right. I shouldn't have to work with you. I get it. I should be able to cross my feet, my arms across my chest and not have to work with you because I'm California and you're Arizona. And I don't like when you look at I, I don't like you. You don't like me. and We shouldn't have to talk. I get that. I get it. But you've got a common problem. And co solving common problems is how America became America. I don't disagree with that. I, you know, I think we would be a, bit, a lot better off if states actually had conversations and talked to each other and worked together to solve problems. However, my problem with that is why should the Californian Arizonan uh, citizens or, you know, residents have to pay for something that is Texas, that is, sorry, federal government responsibility. Like when it comes to that, that is my sticking point when it comes to that. Like, I, I don't disagree. Go ahead and do it. But it's not like you can give an invoice to the federal government and said, hey, we just uh, we just created an agency called, you know, uh, protection for California and Arizona, and we hired 10,000 people. So now you have to pay the salaries for that because we did it. But it's not technically our role. So here's the bill. Like, it's not like that's going to happen, right? Like, it's going to be in absorbed inside of their budgets. I'm not saying it, sh it couldn't happen. I'm saying that that is, that that is not happening. And there is no guarantee that if you did that and gave them the bill, that anyone's going to pay it on the federal level. Well, wait a minute. Is there a way that we could make them pay it? I don't know. I feel like that's a trick question, but go ahead. It's a trick question. <laughs> Right. Because someone is already suing the federal government. So if we did something that we feel the federal government should be doing and then we sued them to, I don't know, some kind of court that oversees that. Right. Like and then says, this is your job. This is what we've done. This is the legal precedent that says it's your job. Can you interpret the existing law to make sure that it's your job? And maybe we got a receipt and maybe you pay us back that they would get paid back because there would be a legal precedent, perhaps. Okay. Okay. So what would happen then is that the Supreme Court would go, hmm, so, you're, so California and Arizona are suing the federal government, right, or suing Customs and Border Patrol or suing whoever the hell 
you know, they choose in the government, the Biden administration, whatever. And then they go, hey, we did this because you don't do your job. And it says right here in the Constitution, per Kate on Art of Discussing, that it should go, look, it says that you should be securing the common defense, right, and securing the border. But we're doing that, and it costs us this much money, and we're suing you for that much money to get paid. Or you can do it. You can do one of those two things. Maybe the Supreme Court will tell the government that they do owe us that money because that is the law of the land. Okay. But that's not what's happening. Did we just solve the problem, though? Like, have I mean, people work together and then see the federal government for the money? But here's, here's so, and this is what I find frustrating, really, Kate, is, yeah, in effect, I feel like we did, but we're sitting here going, like, it makes more sense for us to talk about 19 states working together that think alike already, right? That work together to not rip off a Band-Aid than to have two states that don't think together but have the same problem to talk to each other, to come up with a common solution, right? If, so here's the thing. We talk a lot about America this and America. America is an experiment. It is. It's a, you know, fairly given, you know, civilization and time, right? Fairly new experiment, right? Not new to me. I mean, I'm, I'm what, in my late 40s and, you know, America is in its second century, but, you know, the mid second century working on its third one. But in Europe, they're way past their third century, right? In Asia, they're way past their third century, you know, so this is an experiment that we're working on. And it if you think about it, if we tried this today, it wouldn't work. You mean because the somewhere some no, just like America. Oh. The the compromise constitution, new- right? Like the the checks and balances, the constitution, the, the things that we had to do to get there back then talk to each other, make compromise. All right, I'll give you this. I don't like that. All right, well, I'll give you this. Oh, I don't like it, but I'll do it. Okay, I don't know why all those old people had terrible Southern accents, but whatever. Anyway. They were very um, angry, too, apparently. Yeah, they were all very angry. Anyway, they they can't control themselves. But we don't even have the conversation. We weren't even willing to sit at the same table, right? Like California, Arizona, we we have that same problem. We're not even willing to have a united front going up to Washington, D.C. going, all right, look, this is not our job. We solved it, at least over here with us. Hey, New Mexico, I don't know. We didn't We didn't ask. We didn't know if you wanted in on this, but this is what we're doing. Would you like some of this? Would you like to kick in? Okay, great. Everybody jump in, and then we're going to go sue the you know, this United States federal government, and they're going to owe us money because there's no getting around this. Kate had a super airtight argument. It, they're not providing for the common defense. The, the commoners are providing for the common defense. Why do we need you? Yeah. By the way, you owe us 1995 for this solution we came up with on the on the border, right? Yeah, I was trying to see. I got a notification that uh, Governor Abbott 
just hired, I think they called him a czar, some sort of guru to build the border wall in Texas to the tune of like 25 million a year to ensure it gets done. And I, and it's like, that's great, but I'm, I'm kind of annoyed that now Texans have to pay for that and they can still get around it. If it ends in New Mexico, just like go two steps over and then come in that way. Like, and it stops being a Texas problem. Yeah. Right. Well, it it doesn't necessarily because the border could be right there and they just come in through New Mexico and here's the border and two steps in there are problem, meaning Texas. Well, that's uplifting. I'm glad we had this conversation. It's just, (laughs) it. I agree with you, by the way, the frustration. I'm not arguing that. And I don't think we, I don't think we think through like I hadn't really thought about, okay, we could sue this, the government to get the money back. I, I, you know, s- assuming we could actually talk to each other and create something together and have it go through state by, you know, multiple states at once. So I, I get, I get the frustration. I'm, and I'm tired. I feel like we're in this catch 22 where we only like there is no innovation happening at the government level like people are focused on what they know to be true versus asking or what they know has happened in the past has worked etc versus asking does it actually work and what are some other options and i feel like until we get to that point where we start bringing some innovation or some open-minded thinking in like, Hey, maybe this has never worked or it hasn't worked in 10 years. Maybe we should try something different and suing them for title 42. Isn't, you know, is not maybe that different? So let's try something different from that. You know, like, uh, yeah, I, I, I personally think that title 42, unfortunately should go away because it's not applicable anymore. And there's still a I, I feel bad for the impact it could have that could be additional to states and like you know agencies that are working on the ground and you know all the other impacts that could happen when it goes away but legally wise and its purpose wise is no longer applicable i think in this fictional California, Arizona, New New Mexico. See, I threw you in there, New Mexico. Look at that. You know what? I'll throw you in there too, Texas. Everybody can get in there. Um, Suing, right? Like, so if it was California, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas versus, you know, the existing administration whenever this happened, right? That could make it to the Supreme Court because you wouldn't hear Justice Grosch saying something like, this is us making policy. This is the interpretation of policy, right? We are asserting that the Constitution says this, and you're not doing that. Supreme Court, tell us whether that's the case. And that's what they'll hear it on. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't really take a constitutional lawyer to write like, I mean, you, I, I'm looking at it. I, I think it's pretty, I think it works. I think Justice Gross would be, write that dude a check. Write those states a check. Give those taxpayers some monies, right? And in, in a happy, 
America world, I'm thinking that maybe Texas, New Mexico, uh, Arizona, California, then get that settlement and divvy it up the way it should be, right? Whoever kicked in what gets it back, it's very nice. I don't know if this is the case, but then that money finds its way to the citizens, the taxpayers that put in to those increased taxes to pay for those things, right? That they should not have had to. And sure, that might be an extremely optimistic view of how that would play out. I get it, but that's that's ideal, right? Like when I'm saying black and white, that's the ideal, right? We have a law, no one escapes the law to include the United States of America. Right? Like when you have these states suing the US, yeah, it's it's bound by it, right? Like that's that's where we're at. And that's that's the ideal. That's what should happen. That's, you know, maybe it doesn't. Maybe it just goes into the coffers of those states and they give everybody a tax credit and keep it moving. I don't know, but I hope schools get better and home projects get better and public works projects get wonderful and we've solved an issue that we're dealing with, right? And that's that's before we're even talking about the personal aspect of this, right? Like there's a personal aspect of this. There's still very much... Hey, are we talking because Title 42 points to, you know, countries? Okay, great. Are we, are Canadians not allowed in the United States? Why or why not? Are some of them coming over illegally? They probably are. Do we care? I feel like we don't. Um, I think the same is true of Europe, right? Asia. I think, you know, how many. How many people are we blocking from the Southeast Asian continent that we're concerned about being undocumented here, especially during the pandemic? Right. Like, where's the list that says this is what and, and, and it could say all countries. It could say that it could have all the countries because it's a global pandemic. I just want to see the list. Well, and I think that's a whole different point that I agree with you inside of when it comes to not just Title 42, but in general, what are our policies? Like who's getting kicked out, who's getting held and why? Like, do we have that somewhere? And if we do, why is the average person, if I asked that to the average person, would they even know or know where to find it? Because if we're gonna be transparent and you know, right now the presidency is saying they're they're being transparent in all these things, the current administration, that's great, but I would like to be able to see where, how are we determining who's coming in the country and who is being held in prison or being held at a shelter, you know, whatever that looks like, right? Like, how are we making those determinations, not just country-wise, but also situation-wise? Like, how are we determining who falls into what? So, you know, I think, I think, and I think that's the case for any administration in, you know, the last however many years, like, if we have, if we, I, I think inside of our conversations over the last year, I've gotten to the point where I'm like, <sighs> if this, if the, if America, if the United States is for the people, by the people, people should know what's happening. It shouldn't be this cloaked thing where we're not 
like the average person doesn't know what's happening or the reasons for things or the categories pick any issue right like i think that that i think that's part of the problem too and the reason why there is no conversation because there's no you know whether it's transparency or class you know things are classified or whatever it is i think that there needs to be an evaluation of how are how are they informing us how are we forcing the issue to make sure we are informed and like you know what does that look like what's the process to have that happen yeah i think an overhaul a reform right of how we consume information how it's available something is something to look at right like uh and keep in mind right i'm not ben's not in power so i agree with you 100 percent we as the citizenry should know all things at all time be able to make our own decisions and i'm certain that for some who hold power the more people don't know and rely on you, someone else, probably you, person in power, um, to get that information, the easier it is to, let's just go with stay in power. Yeah. And I think that's the, I think that's the, um, I don't want to say virus, but that's like the root of it, right? Like, I feel like the, as a government, we've gotten so cumbersome in some, like we're not agile anymore and there's different priorities and values than maybe there was 200, 300 years ago. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would agree with that. And this um, is just a symptom of it inside of title 42 and immigration and this whole conversation that we're having like bringing it back to that i think that this is just a symptom or a a tip of that iceberg that we can't see right so this is all the information we have trying to make decisions or have co informed conversations but we don't clearly have all the information right and we'll we'll work to bring you more iceberg later um, as the Supreme Court hears this case, Arizona versus Mayorkas, we'll provide you an update. Uh, so stay tuned. We'll see where, where uh, how this fleshes out this particular one. Uh, until then, guys, thanks for joining us on this one and keep discussing. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. Follow us on social media and check out our Patreon page. Leave us a review on your listening platform if you like the podcast. If you haven't heard your viewpoint or would like to be a guest, email us at info at artofdiscussing.com. Till next time, remember there's more sides to the story than yours. Look, listen, and learn, and keep, keep discussing. discussing.